0: Yes. Yes. Welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan show on the inside STL podcast network. We're in the home loan studios, Ryan Kelly, the home loan the sponsor of our studios here on the Tim McKernan show. You can go online at the home loan expert.com. And if you're buying a home, if you're refinancing a home, that's the person you want to do business with Ryan Kelly. Interest rates have dropped. It's home buying season. You want to refinance all the options there. Nobody's going to treat you better. Nobody's going to get it done quicker. And uh, as far as my experiences go, I can't tell you anybody I know that I think more of in the mortgage industry than Ryan Kelly. He's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Capitalize on these interest rates now, especially in home buying season or for refinance. It's Ryan Kelly online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Questions from the audience? Always our middle of the week spectacular here on the program. We have our interviews for you. We've been doing a lot of interviews lately, a bunch of them that have uh, have not been released yet. But a tip of the cap to Gangster Pete. And uh, to Iggy for uh, for all the interviews that we have lined up and more still to come. Uh, this week, our guest is Jay Haas. Uh, you know, and, and I, I've gotten um, some emails from some people who are really glad that I did the interview. First off, it kind of fell into the category of, oh, I don't know. I, Jay Haas, I guess I'll listen and then listen. And then you're like, wow, that was really more than I expected. And then secondly, some people who are familiar with him since he was born in St. Louis and raised in Belleville. Um, that it was good to hear an appreciation for his career. And candidly, when I sat down to, to do the interview, um, the only reason I was aware of his success on the PGA tour is because I was doing the interview. I always knew it was always Belleville's Jay Haas, but I never viewed him in the way that I think he probably should be viewed. I mean, 15 top 10 major finishes is legit. And on the the day of at this point I think in the last fifty years the second famous second most famous Masters, uh, Jack Nicklaus in '86 winning at forty six years old he was there he was he finished in a tie for third if I'm not mistaken so uh, this guy is a force and to hear his story and his perspective on Tiger's win this year. And uh, Tiger and the game of golf and his son playing right now and his son going through that accident last year in which the driver was killed. All that stuff was really, I really enjoyed it. Plus, he was just really cool and easy to talk to. So, uh, Jay Haas this week and uh, many more to come as Gangster Pete Nagy are firing on all cylinders with all of our interviews. Questions from the audience? Well, that falls on my shoulders. I guess to an extent it falls on your shoulders, the audience, for sending the questions in. And now we're getting so many questions that I don't even really bother posting on the fan page anymore, but... Uh, I did do that just about a half hour ago. So if something pops up that will be of note, I will uh, I will go there. But there are already so many in the email. I just like to kind of diversify and get get both. So we have some good we have some good kind of recreational leisure questions, and then we also have some like I'm gonna have to go into the tank on them. So tip of the cap to the audience. Always feel free to email me anytime. I mean even the most you know what I listen to you. I fucking hate you. I. You know, hate your sense of humor, what I think your politics are, your lack of religion, you know, or I hate that you go to Las Vegas or wherever, or I think you're fucking unrelatable because you spend spring training in Florida, and I'm gonna take it out on you here with this question and fuck you. Those are seriously welcome. Those might actually be encouraged. T McKernan at Inside STL Dot com. I'm so jaded by hate mail that it's uh, that it doesn't even really, uh, you know, it's just like, oh, okay, this will be good though. This will be good. This will be good for the podcast. So anyway, let me go into them. I, I might, I'll attempt to knock out. See, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven questions that are saved in the uh, QFTA file. Uh, let's see. I don't know if I've, if gangster Pete. This this occasionally happens, and I and I saved it because it was sent on March 20th, and I never got to it. So tell me if I've answered it. Hey, Tim, if TMA were to ever change to the internet radio slash podcast format only, would the uncensored content or language be okay with the Cat and Doug, or would their public positions with KMOV and Fox Sports West keep the content FCC friendly? I don't know if you've answered that exact question, but we've kind of been around that time. We, that thought, we talked about the, the podcast only because that kind of gets thrown around every once in a while, and I get it. Um, you know, if you, to answer that question, this can always be a point of reference, Cause I think people think that's just like the natural progression and it's, and it's, it's astute, but I'd, I'd lay it out this way. Um, like I know what the number is. I know ballpark anyway, what using a five-year sample size, which I think is only fair. Um, cause you can have a good year and you can have a bad year. So five-year sample size, the amount of money, this radio show brings in annually, um, let's just call it X. What percentage of X would come over to a podcast only format. And, and I'm, and I don't have the answer. And, and as you're driving along or as you're working out or sitting in your Coke den and listening to this, what would you say that is? I'll, I'll give you time to think about it. One, two, three. My belief is 33%. That's an absolute arbitrary assignment. So knowing what X is, which would not be fair for me to say here, um, you can guess what X is, uh, and then, then knowing that I'm of the opinion that it would be 33%, then that doesn't get the job done. That doesn't get the job done. Um, and that's not anybody that, again, it's not anybody's fault, but that now some people, uh, think that if we were to only go, and just for the record, I'm under contract through the end of 2021 with the radio station, so this isn't uh, something that's even in play, but I get asked about it, so I'll answer it. Um, and then, secondarily, um, you know, if we were to only be available on podcasts, would that then make me alter the projection? I don't, I think maybe in some markets, you know, where it's a little more ahead of the times than St. Louis. Um, Perhaps you can say 66% of the money would come over if you had a show that's kind of like in this category where you have like this loyal, loyal following. You know, I've drawn the parallel before with Rizzuto show, even though I'd be the first to say that the Rizzuto show has a bigger audience. Um, I I guess neither one of us know that, but the ratings certainly say that. And We're not on an FM, so we're not going to get ratings, but... Um, I mean, they got a huge show and they're great guys. So I always said Dave Glover, who's been on the podcast is a very big following And all of them. I think are different demographics. Uh, even though, you know, I think we're all, um, you know, may have some overlap in some capacity, but I think for the most part, different demographics, I don't know if I can think of another show, I guess the fast lane on one-on-one ESPN has this Frank opinion certainly has this, um, my, my premise is a show that it really doesn't matter where the station or what, what station it's on. It's going to have its following, you know, like with TMA, I mean, it's, it started on KFNS, went to 1380, went back to KFNS. Then we started a whole new format on a radio station with 920 for three years. Uh, I'm very proud of the fact that we turned a profit in doing that. I'm very proud of that because it didn't start that way. And that was a, not an easy thing. Um, And then back to KFNS. And I never even think about, you know, when we made these moves, like, oh, I hope the audience follows us. I don't even, I don't even think twice about it, you know. And I remember my dad uh, one time, and, you know, while well, my dad is kind of like a running joke for uh, on the show, is being the one responsible for owning the station, getting me all my jobs. My dad, for those who aren't aware, sold media in St. Louis um, starting in the 1960s. His da- dad died when he was 16, and so he started in the mailroom at KPLR-TV and then left his— vice president of sales. Um, and so kind of the textbook American dream kind of story uh, that um, he was he's like, well, Timmy, you got to get billboards to let people know. And I go, dad, I mean, it, it, the, the, I can, I can send something out on Facebook or on a website or on, you know, now Twitter, but this was happening, you know, a decade ago. Uh, it just, it, it isn't necessary. Don't need to buy a newspaper ad to let people know. It's, just, it's easy. You just, you know, and, and you don't even worry about it. Um, so that's never been an issue, but it, but, but the, that, the, the, reason for the hesitation, first off, there is no decision to make. I'm under contract through 2021. But secondly, um, is, is how much money would come over with each passing day? That percentage increases. There is a direct correlation. I believe that pa- that percentage increases. Um, but regarding your specific question on the content, um, You know, it's kind of, I guess the equivalence I could make is like right now, like I can say fuck as much as I want and it doesn't matter because it's a podcast, but I talk how I talk and I don't just say fuck all the time just because I can. It's just occasionally it's, it it comes up, but it's like I have the filter. Like when I'm around my in-laws, for example, or when I'm on the radio or when I was doing television that, you know, you just don't curse for whatever reason, I have no idea. And I'm, I'm glad that I can turn it on and off. I'm still kind of surprised that I haven't slipped up. I feel like it's inevitable. But these days it's not like a big, like, like young page views from barstools on. Uh, the day after the Blues Jets uh, classic game five and uh, said fuck accidentally was on the radio. And he's like texting me, you know, he's going into his show in New York. He's like, dude, I'm so fucking sorry. I'm so fucking sorry. But, you know, I owe you. And I'm like, dude. Don't worry about it. It's just like, not even like a, it's not even like, we'll forget about it. I've already forgotten about it. Actually. I'm surprised you're texting me. Don't worry about it. It's just not a big deal. But I guess like in 99 or 2000, Tom Ackerman, you know, who's like the, like superhumanly nicest person going. Um, I guess he was just starting out. Tom's like a year or two older than me. Um, and I guess something didn't play at KMOX and his mic was still open and he said shit. And it was like, treated as like this crisis, um, now I realize it's camel wax, but still in the whole scheme of things, I just, I've never for the life of me understood this thing with the, the words and like how they can get you fired. I just, n- I've never understood it. And I, I guess I never will. And this especially when it's my, you know, profession, like how somebody's career can be blown up because they say the word fuck. It just, it just, it just, it's, it, it and it does, it, I know, it, I know it's not something that can be reasoned out with critical thought because those possessing critical thought would be like, yeah, it's stupid, but it's just kind of like a a dance we have to perform to just move on with things that are actually important. And it's like, okay, I can't say the word fuck fine. I'll just move on. I'm not going to die on that Hill, but it's just so stupid. So whatever. Fortunately, you know, with satellite radio and, you know, podcasts, it's gets kind of going away. And and then, then, then the generation and the handful of people in that generation that would, you know, try to get you taken out for it, you know, moving on. Um, but, uh, it doesn't for the life of me make any sense. As far as like the actual content, like the sexual stuff, it's like, like when I do go into that, which I think gets a lot more, um, attention than it actually, actually goes on, on the show. Like, like I always say, like there become these back in the day, I call them message board truths. Now I'd call them social media truths since message boards have, you know, gone away for the most part. Um, like all Frank Cusamano does is talk high school basketball. All Tim McCurney does is talk porn. You know, all Jim Hayes does is, you know, carry the Cardinals water. And I'm just like, wow, you know, I've worked with both Frank and with obviously with the cat now for close to 15 years. And it's, that's just, these things aren't true, but they just become like, it's like how people in some capacity will talk politics and they talk the plagiarized talking points of cable news element of politics or what their surface level understanding of it is and, and then that's kind of easier to advance and then to like cast somebody aside because it'll fit with the stereotype and not really have to go into the, the deep dive element of reasoning through something that might not have a, an easy answer. Um, so yeah, all Frank Cusimano talks about is high school basketball is bullshit. All Jim Hayes does is carry the water for the Cardinals is bullshit. And all I do is talk about porn is bullshit. It is odd that in some corners, that's like, like the, the, the scarlet letter And, oh, I can't be on TMA because they talk about sex. But then they'll, like, if somebody, like, has, like, a couple DUIs or has, you know, some legal issues, they'll be on that show as long as they, like, proclaim their, you know, loyalty to uh, Christianity. It's a, a phenomenal thing. It's a phenomenal thing. But if a guy who you know, doesn't have any of that stuff going on, talks about sex. Well, I can't be associated with that, but whatever. I, at this point, after two decades of it, you just kind of go, okay, whatever, fine. Doesn't fucking really impact me. I think it's stupid, and I don't really want to hang out with you anyway. You don't want to hang out with me, it's fine. It kind of serves. It's like the scene in Brock's Tale where uh, the uh, the kid, uh, what's his name, Cologino, uh, are you familiar with this film, Gangster Pete? Have you seen A Bronx Tale with the great Robert De Niro and Chaz Palminteri? I got the DVD. Yeah, all right. And uh, and and Cologino's trying to chase this guy down, who I guess owes him like 20 bucks, and he's running away from him. And Chaz Palminteri, the wise sage mobster in the film, says, what are you worried about him for? See? He goes, he owes me $20. I've been trying to get it the last two months. And he says, do you like the guy? No. Fucking hate him. Okay, well then, for twenty bucks, he's out of your life. You don't have to deal with him. Well, yeah, it's kind of a nice. So it's like okay, they wanna they wanna cast me to the side because I talk about sex and it makes them uncomfortable or they think I'm going to hell. But then that means I never like get invited to speak at their shit and and I don't have to be around them. This is a great win. We never really have to cross paths. I don't have to come up with an excuse to not go to shit I hate. Everybody wins, and I can continue to be the the pervert. But you know, it, as far as I, I'm always aware of. Um, like if I'm working, whether it be with a cat or Doug or Dan McLaughlin or whomever, I know that most of these people have jobs where they can't swim in my septic tank. And so I, I put my big boy clothes on. Um, so that, that would be, if this scenario were to happen, um, I would be just as conscious of that as I have been since 2004, um, and as the cat always says, if he gets uncomfortable, he just goes and gets a plate of wings. So hopefully that answers the question, which, of course, is the unofficial title of the questions from the audience podcast. We go into a golf question. Favorite golf course you have played and what you expect your handicap to be by the end of the summer? Ryan Lambert. Uh, Ryan, I like this question. It's a very easy question. I don't have to go into a deep dive on this one. I think Harbor Town is, I think that's in part because it's uh, got family significance because my parents honeymooned there and we've been going there in Hilton Head uh, since 86 as a family. So there's just, there's that element to it. It's got greater significance. Um, As far as toughest golf course I've played, locally, I've just never been able to, I've never played Boone Valley. Uh, I've never played St. Louis country club. I don't think people would say that's the toughest. A lot of people might say it's the nicest. Um, I just never played well at old Orson. Um, which I think is one of the nicest, um, if not the nicest. And, um, I don't know why that is. I don't know why that is. I think I'm playing it here in a few days and it would be lovely if I could break 90, it would kind of be a surprise. I'm not necessarily hitting the ball real well at this particular moment. Um, but uh, there's other, I feel like old Warrison is a course that has a lot of like local knowledge that if you get a chance to play it a decent amount, you're familiar with like, There's just, there's because the fairways, you know, lean or just flat out or slope certain ways that where you place the ball off the tee is a factor, much less on your approach shots and on the greens and everything moves toward Warrison road and all these things. So, uh, I've just never played well there. Uh, and I think a lot of times I think it's a mental weakness that I let a course get in my head. Um, I think that happens at Harbortown actually. And in reality, it's just a fucking piece of land, but whatever. Um, it's so Harbor town be the favorite, I think the toughest course, and I guess you could, you know, go with the the slope and rating and, and actually get it. Um, I played a lot and which is one of those things like, Oh my God can't believe you did it or good for you for doing it when in reality again a piece of land but I played Trump National Jupiter quite a bit when we were in Florida. Um that's where Edmonds was um staying and I played with him a hell of a lot and uh the spring training and so we played there a bunch and that course is so just I don't even know. I want to say it's tricked out, it's just tough. I mean, it's It is tough. And then Jim, with a strategy that I respectfully disagree with, you know, Mazzaloc's like, oh, you guys ought to play the white tees or the blue tees there at the worst. And then Jim's like, and I go, what do you want to do? Whites or blues? Because it's so tough. You want to minimize the distance. And he's like, let's play the gold tees. And then that way we won't be able to get to the fairway bunkers. I'm like, well, that's wonderful. We might not be hitting out of the sand, but we're going to be hitting hybrids into the greens on par fours or three woods. Or we're just going to be in the shit. We're going to be punching out and lying two you know from 220 out but uh, I did play I think I shot an 85 there um, like the final time I played there which considering how tough it is you know if I would have been playing my home course which is Westboro here uh, on that day I might have been able to shoot in in around 70 that's how tough that that's how big of a difference that is and obviously it's super long when you're playing the gold tees and just tough so uh, that's the answer to the toughest course PJ nationals champion course is legitimately super tough where they have the Honda classic. It's not like pretty at all. Really. Um, even though it's in Florida, um, it's just so tough, especially when you're playing there during the winter when the weather's warm, but the winds are brutal. Um, I mean, you're exhausted by the time you get to the bear trap, which, you know, has become kind of the famous part about that course, but it's brutal before you even get there. And as Adam long said, I think on, uh, on, uh, the, um, on the podcast when he was a guest about a month ago that, uh, I mean, maybe he said this when we were walking out, so it might've just been me and him bullshitting, but he goes now 14 might as well be part of the bear trap with where they've, what they've done with the green. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's relentless, but for some reason, Trump national Jupiter stands out as being harder. Although fuck, I you know what I, I think, I don't know what I wound up shooting cause we kind of had a joke about it on the fan page. That I set the over under like around cause I played two days after they got done with the Honda classic. And that was the day I had 41 putts, 41 putts in a round 41 putts, but I still shot like 91. So even if I get 35, which isn't great, uh, it would have been in the mid eighties. I don't know. I was hitting the ball better than, than I am right now. I'm going to go see my guy, Craig story. He's the pro at Greenbrier. Um, that's my recommendation to people, by the way, Craig story, you're looking for a swing instructor, Craig story. He's outstanding. Just a, swing wizard. Uh, Let's see. So my handicap right now is the other question. It is currently at 10.7. I would like to think I can get down to a seven, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, I think that's right around where I was at one point. Having a child obviously changes that. Um, I'm kind of like Craig and uh, Skip Berkmeyer, who's one of the best amateur players you're going to find in St. Louis. They've, they've, seen my swing and see how I hit the ball. And they're like, there's no reason why you can't be a one or two. And I'm like, I, you guys are just saying this. No, seriously. I'm like, really? I mean, I'm so far away from it. Uh, but I don't know. I would, I would like to, uh, the fact that my son is now, I guess he's 20 months old now today. He is 20 months old. Um, you know, and he loves, here's a thing. This is a thing. And I enjoy telling, I, I kind of like, I think I've talked too much about my child. um, for two reasons. First off, if you're married, it's about 90% chance you have one or multiple. Um, And I don't, I've never really liked when like radio or TV people just like make it like, oh, I'm the only person that was able to procreate, you know? So I'm conscious of that. And then I also just because of the weird emails and DMs that I get, I don't want to expose him to that. Uh, So anyway, with that said, this is something that I do and just comfortable sharing, not a big deal, but I have no idea how this has happened or why it's happened. Um, I guess it can be perceived that I'm like, uh, who's that quarterback? This is like from like 30 years ago. He wound up being the quarterback at USC. Todd Marinovich, do you remember his, like where his dad raised him to be a quarterback and like, am I right on that? Is that a yeah, good 30 for 30 on that? Oh, is that right? Yeah. I didn't know there was a 30 for 30 on it. I remember it though. Cause my dad and my parents being huge Notre Dame fans, like that was the big deal playing USC. And so anyway, um, like that I'm like gearing Jameson. I couldn't, if he doesn't want to play golf, I couldn't fucking care any less. Or don't even to play sports for all I care. Uh, it doesn't matter, but you know, but sometimes when he's not running around and 99% of the time, I mean, this is, this is, you know, this, this kid looks like he spent, you know, three straight days in a club in Miami in 81 with how much he's all over the place. The few moments that he's sitting down, uh, I, I guess I don't know why. I was just why I guess I was getting just looking forward to the Masters and was pulling up clips and then the Tiger Woods Chip In in O five with Vern Lundquist, in your life uh, thing was on and Jameson saw it and he loved it. And so for like three straight days, I must have watched Tiger Woods Chip In on YouTube because he kept saying Tiger, Tiger you know, I, I, I don't even know. It had to be around a hundred times. It had to be around a hundred times. And then I pull up other Tiger Woods clips and then he go, no, Tiger, Tiger. And I'm like, but that's Tiger. And I'm attempting to have like a reasoned out conversation. And uh, as you might imagine at 18, 19 months, that wasn't really happening. So I'm like, okay, these other people are Tiger, but we'll just keep watching the same thing over and over again. And then we did get another clip and he loved uh, there's like a top 10 shots on YouTube, and I don't even think they're the top 10 shots, but whatever. They're the top 10 shots on YouTube, and uh, and and that is currently what we're on. And I've shown him David Freeze Game Six, um, and he just no no Tiger Tiger, and now it's at a point where Tiger begins on the tenth uh, the number 10 on this top 10 is like him chipping in from some bizarre spot. Jack Nicholas is saying, cause it's at the Memorial. He's like, I, I can't wait to see what he does with this shot. And then he not only, you know, gets it up near the hole, he actually holes out. Uh, and he, and Jameson does the, the, the fist pump and he puts the, the, the hand in the air. And, you know, I think it's, you know, incredibly, um, I don't know. I, I love it. And I'm also like, what in the hell's going on here? So anyway, he goes out to the golf course with me and He just, he loves, like, I'll be just practicing chipping, and then he'll take the ball, and he'll just put it in the hole. So if he gets into the game, that's great. It helps. I love going, and he'll ride around with me, or when we were down in Florida, he'd just go out on the course with me, and we'd screw around. So if he loves it, great. Uh, But either way, it's time that we get to spend together, and that's super cool. But now he has here within the last few days. Like, I used to read books to him. I put him to bed at night probably five of seven days, depending on what I have going on. That's kind of like Anna Marie's had them all day. And then I try to make sure that I put him to bed and, um, and I'll, and I'll, we, I used to read books and oftentimes the same book four times in a row. Now over the last few days, it's been videos. And then we've gotten to the Cardinals in game six, of the 2001 world series. He's yelling baseball. We'll sit on the couch and watch baseball together. He's 20 months old. I don't really know what he's getting, but he likes it. I think he likes the birds on the jersey, and uh, and I'm on the David Freeze World Series. And after they win Game Seven, the fireworks, which now has led to him being obsessed with fireworks, which leads to us watching. There's just a 10-minute video of fireworks, nothing else going on, just like a still shot of fireworks over and over again, and that's currently where we are. I pivoted off that because when you type fireworks in YouTube, Katy Perry's video comes up, and I'm like, Ah, this be a nice way to introduce him to Katy Perry. We can have a good discussion on. Uh, lesbianism. And, uh, and he's not interested in that at the moment, but does like Casey Musgraves does like Casey Musgraves at Coachella. We watched some of that. And I like that choice. I think that's a good choice. And I said, pretty girl, pretty girl. So he now says pretty girl. So we're, so that's kind of where we are in the uh, parenting at 20 months, which I'm sure is like everybody else's story where their son is watching Tiger Woods videos and pretty girls, and the uh, the parent is looking to have a conversation about lesbianism i think that's in, i think that's in a book from the 1950s next question please okay uh, Tim, in your eyes, is joining a country club worth it? I know it's completely based on where you are in life, kids, wife, income, but if you're playing four to five times a month anyway, and the wife wants a summer pool, does it make sense to at least look into it? That's from Donnie. This is a question that will be hated on because this is St. Louis, where if you are under the age of 60 and you got some form of decent income, you are hated on. Welcome to St. Louis. I have no idea why the fuck that's the case, but it is. Gangster Pete, what'd you just say? What'd you just say, boy? Who cares? Let no. him hate. <laughs> let them hate. Watch the money pile up. Nice. Very Nice. Uh, but I, I, like that we've kind of called attention to that. And I've had a number of people, uh, some of whom don't live here, but are from here go, I'm glad you talk about that. Cause I noticed that growing up and it's the weirdest fucking thing. I, I Isn't it the strangest thing? It's like, if you look at the lower bowl of a Cardinal game, when do you see like, like somebody's 28 who you're like, oh, that person's probably doing well for themselves. Not cause they're like flashing some shit bag clothing and shit bag jewelry, uh, or driving some shit bag whip they can't afford. But just like young people here, you're like, oh, yeah, I would see that in Chicago, for example. You just don't see it here. Now, it's a a bigger discussion because how much money is in the market to go around. But for whatever reason, the older people have it. I don't know. Uh, And, of course, this isn't across the board. I know there's all kinds of startups. And like I always say, I would buy stock in St. Louis. Um, But with that said, it's just it's one of those things. It's like, oh, like I used it's like like last week. What was it? Like, I'm very open with my DraftKings losses um, because I think it's, I don't know, I, it's, just, it's just honest. I mean, it's just the truth. But when I say, like, the Tam Avenue Capital Partners lost, what did we lose? Like, 2300 on the Masters, which was essentially minus 30% ROI. I own 10% of that, so I lost $230. And listen, I don't like losing $230, but it's not something that's going to cripple me. But, every, but $230 is in, is in the eye of the beholder when hell even, you know, 15 years ago, $230 would have bothered me a hell of a lot more. And there are some people listening right now who go, oh, I can't, I mean, I, I make a decent living, but I have four kids. $230 is, you know, this or that. I understand. And then there are some people who are listening going, oh God, we're going to sweat $230. Really? I mean, I, you know, I, I drop $230 at lunch. I don't give a shit. It just is. But it's just, it's honest. And I got that from Artie Lang, but then I kind of look back on. I'm like, yeah, I think he might have been trying to brag. And that's not what I'm trying. I'm just trying. I'm trying to be honest. Inevitably, I think we're going to have a big score on this just because we've associated with somebody who does have big scores regularly. And he builds our rosters uh, or at least tells me what to put in the rosters. And then I build the rosters out. And so it's going to happen. And then I'm going to get hated on when it does happen because people are going to be jealous, um, which is also part of the deal. Cletus, the great Cletus we talk about on TMA was talking about that. I guess he told me something happened in college maybe or a friend of his from college who um, won her. Her parents won the lottery and she was this beautiful girl and, and he was so happy for her and he goes, but it was so weird. He goes, a bunch of our friends were so mad at her. And he goes, I couldn't figure it out. Like Cletus is like, Cletus is what, even though like politically we're in different worlds, not that we spent a whole lot of time talking about it ever. Um, but I, we just both know we are and he's, you know, but he's just like a great, great, great person. Um, but he goes, I, he goes, I just didn't, I didn't understand. Like if you're friends, wouldn't you be happy for somebody who's experienced, you know, a windfall of good fortune? He's like, I can't understand it. Because I was explaining to him, I said, "I it's it's really hit me, and I'm surprising. it took me this long, that there are people who listen to the show who want the show to fail or who want me to fail or who want the plowhawk to fail or whatever, you know. And that's how we got on that topic. Um, And so along those lines, when you talk about a country club, it, can, it, it has a, a stigma attached to it that I think, well, in my experience, you know, I mean, I can be— it's, an attempt to navigate a difficult conversation as as truthfully as possible, but without, you know, uh, irritating people on either side. Westboro is, is, is a country club, but it is not old Warson or Belle Reeve. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a young membership. I think the median age of membership, I might actually be on the older side of the median age, not by like 10 years or anything, but maybe like by a year, it's just a younger club, and, the, and my reasoning for joining is, uh, as was mentioned in the email, the pool for my wife, and at the time, um, she was about to uh, give birth to our son. This is 2017, and also, I had just gotten back into golf after not playing for like 10 or 11 years. And, um, and for me, I, I don't know what my deal is with it. It's why I could probably never live in Southern California. Or if I did, I wouldn't be all that excited about it. Whereas i love to live in New York city. I hate to drive. And while I love playing places like gateway and Peevely, um, what are some other great public courses? Gangster Pete. I love Jennings at the rock and Briar and Briar. Nice play. Great, great play. I like far Oaks out in Illinois. I played it last year, uh, the day I, I played it with uh, Marcus Allen and uh, PJ Pro Danis, and Vince Coleman was supposed to be our fourth, but he wasn't able to make it. Uh, it was like the Saturday morning of the PGA Championship, but the, something was off with the greens that day, but still, I could tell the layout was outstanding. Um, I just don't like the drive. It's like Cletus and you guys will be playing Normandy. It's like, hey, you want to play? I'm like, in Normandy, like a 15-minute drive, maybe. I just hate to drive. It's so It's so weird. But it's just how I am. I don't fucking know. And so, you know, not like I can call all of my shots. But in this case, I'm like, okay, I want something close. Because Fox Run, for example, which is one of my favorite courses in the area. But it's, you know, and I could have joined there. Um, but it's just so far. Now, if you're if it's worth it to you to do it, you're playing an incredible golf course. A golf course that you can play from, like, God, I don't even know. I think they can get it to, like, mid-7,000s if they want on the yardage. But... um, you know, it's also, it's a, it's a golf club. It's not necessarily a country club. And this is, you know, something for our family. So in my mind, the answer is yes, but it just depends on what you're looking for, you know? And, uh, Westboro can be, you know, from a social standpoint, it can get, uh, it can get good and entertaining. And, uh, you know, we looked at, um, we looked at Algonquin and, uh, Westboro because of how close they are. And we were about to join Algonquin. Uh, this is 2016, yeah, August 2016. And then, um, I guess, I, I guess now get into stuff that that I know the clubs don't like having public. I'm like, so I got to I got to pump my brakes there. But things changed. First off, Anna Marie got pregnant, that being the most important one. But the guys that I was with. Um, we went out with, uh, two members and their wives and had dinner there. The place was incredibly nice. My grandfather was a member there when we were growing up. Um, and, uh, and so I was familiar with it, but they've done so many incredible things to it. Um, and they're kind of like, yeah, you know, at that point it was like right around the beginning of September. And they're like, yeah, you know, I mean, you can join, but you know, at the same time, you know, it's the end of the season. So why not just save the money and then join, you know, in like March. I'm like, yeah, it's a good point. What the hell am I doing? Well, three months later, Anna Marie's pregnant. And then things change, as you can imagine. And so, you know, things change. And then we wind up not doing it. So um, that's about, I don't, who knows? But that's, that's another one. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's such touch, it's Because I know for a lot of people, it's like, oh, you're talking about your country club. You're so fucking unrelatable. And they just hate on it but it's an honest, it's an honest conversation. I mean, I, this, this perception that I'm like from some old money family, I mean, it's so bizarre. It's, you know, it, it amuses my family because we know what is real. Um, but you know, whatever. But I, I also noticed in general, it's like one of those things that you don't talk, some people just don't talk about it in general because they're just conscious of, uh, it, you know, just the fact that it can rub people the wrong way, even though it's like, I'm just, I'm like a fucking creep who likes to play golf and fuck off. And there's not like any prestige in my mind at all to it. Um, Hell, I'm sure there's some places that wouldn't let me in actually. Uh, So for me, it's just about being close to my house. That's all. I mean, that's it. That's it. You could say, hey, Tim, not that they would, but take your pick, like St. Albans. You know, I've, I've played one of the courses. I haven't played both the courses there. You know, I, it's incredible, but I, I don't live there, so it would. I, I just wouldn't do it. Fox Run, as I mentioned earlier, I love that place, but I wouldn't utilize it because I don't like to be in the car for 50 minutes, so... Um, that's the reason. So to answer your question, my answer is yes, but I mean, it's a case by case basis and when, what you want and what your family wants, and I guess how much you would use it. Um, I've also made some, some friends there, some really good guys there. And uh, my wife's made some friends there and it is, it's just, you know, it's, 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 Fun to be able to take my son out and just, you know, hang out with him, you know, and see how much he enjoys just being on the golf course. That's a cool thing for me to experience. There it is there. I'm unrelatable again, I guess. doesn't matter what I say. I'm unrelatable. You grow up in South city and you, you know, you build a business and do fucking creepy sports dog radio, but all of a sudden you're unrelatable. Go fuck yourselves. That's what I've decided to say, right? There. I needed to say, I need to say, go fuck yourselves uh if you're saying that tim if this is a topic you don't want to broach i totally understand god now see i have no idea what i'm about to open i just saved it. it was sent on april 17th and now i might regret that i'm uh opening it and talking about it however i am just curious if you have ever had an addiction and if you were able to overcome it this doesn't have to be strictly something you were ingesting but be anything like sex food etc i struggle on a daily basis with addiction and can't seem to find a way over the hump by myself. My family has a history of addiction, and I don't know if that truly makes me more prone to it or if that is just a talking point bullshit. Anyway, I'm reluctant to ask for help or even discuss the matter with others. I'm able to do a pretty good job of hiding my addiction, but just wondered if you have ever truly encountered anything addiction-related and how you were able to overcome it. Thank you. Um, Yeah, good question, and I'm comfortable discussing it. I think... I think I would be prone to a gambling addiction. I think, um, fortunately I'm not. Um, but I, I could see it happening. Uh, and I say that just because at a trip to Las Vegas, God, 15 years ago, holy shit, like almost to the day now that I'm doing the math. Um, I think I I didn't keep track. I mean, I was a part of it. I was just so fucked up. Um, but, I, lo- I think I lost, well, I mean, it's another unrelatable thing, but th- listen, this is a, di- this is a different ball game because I didn't have it. I mean, I had it, but it was like, it was like, you know, I lost thousands of dollars, not five figures, but thousands of dollars. And most of it was playing video poker, video poker, video poker is, is like, if, if somebody said to you, I've really had a tough time the last couple of days, I've been going to the casino and I've lost its slots. And you'd look at the person like, what the fuck is your problem? I can recall, now this is the Hard Rock Hotel, which I guess is still around. I think it's it's uh, switching to like the Virgin Atlantic Hotel, Richard Branson, Sir Richard Branson. I apologize if he's listening. Um, but at that time, the Hard Rock Hotel was, I mean, it was the place. It's, it's definitely no longer the place. But in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, I guess some Entourage episodes were shot there. I remember actually this trip I'm speaking of. Uh, I remember seeing Gary Delabate, Baba Booey, uh, walking, you know, at a restaurant where we were at the Hard Rock because the Stern Show was about to do like a week's worth of broadcast there live. Um, it was just the place to be in that pool and rehab, which is what the thing is called on, uh, on Sundays there. I mean, it was just, you know, it was another, it was and it went on for a while. I mean, I guess it still might be going on, but it's not like what it was then. Um, I have some pictures like saved from like 2007 where we had, uh, remember the, the website, the dirty, and I can't remember what the girls' names were, I bet I could find them because I might've saved the pictures on there, but I don't even know. I mean, we, one of my buddies would always get a cabana and, you know, the cabanas you know, for those of you who are going out there and you're in your twenties and you want to know the play or maybe thirties, God bless you or forties. If you're still doing it, uh, you get, you know, you get either the cabana or the table at a Las Vegas club and then you pick off the bachelor party. I mean, this is ABC poker shit. Uh, most of the time, uh, that's what they want. what You want and everybody wins and they drink for free and you know, you can do your thing and God bless and Godspeed. Um, so yeah, there was, uh, this was actually the, I have to, i have to tell this story because it's for my opinion, quality and it's good and creepy. And I want the podcast to get creepier. Um, but yeah, my buddy, uh, finished in like, I think it was like 160th place in the world series of poker main event and he won 65,000. And so I was flying out there. It was right when I was really into poker, still losing player in 2007. And, um. And we're like, my God, he might make a run. And I didn't know if he was good or bad. I'd never played with him. Um, you know, I think at this point now, 12 years later, he'd probably say he luck boxed his way in. God bless him. But yeah, man, he won $65,000. And so right when we land, I think he busted, or maybe like we had a layover in Salt Lake or something, and he busted. But either way, we're going to celebrate that night. So we go to a club, and we go to, uh, to Tao. And I mean, I don't have anything to do with this shit. I'm along for the ride. I'm just happy to be in Las Vegas. Um it was right after, actually, I just left KFNs and knew I had I had either signed my contract with thirteen eighty or I was, I was kind of in this three month non compete thing, so I had nothing to do, and yeah, I just went out there and just fucked off, and I wound up staying out there for like another week. Um, but anyway, we go to this this club, and sure enough, standard play. The guy with the money gets the the table, and a huge is was like wasn't even a table; it was like a, an area. So the bachelorette party from a large university. On The off chance they're listening 12 years later. And God, it just, it's, you think about it and it just makes it make it honestly, while I'm amused by it, it makes me lose faith in humanity. It cuts both ways. One of my friends wound up hooking up with the bride's mom. That's, I mean, it's like, it's, it's like part of it's amusing, but then the other part is like, was she married? And you know, was she married for fucking 30 something years? I mean, I don't know. I don't. Then. Uh, this, from my standpoint, in, in one respect is a, you, you tip your cap and then another one is just like, God damn it. So, I don't know. You do with it whatever you want. Then another one, another one of my friends wound up hooking up with both the bride and the maid of honor. And it was an MFF in which they entertained each other and, uh, and he entertained them both. Which is a win, but then at the same time, it's the bride and the maid of honor, and oh yeah, she's about to get married here in the next couple of weeks, I don't know the status of the maid of honor, and now you never know anybody's arrangement, you know, you never know what everybody's got going on, maybe there's an understanding, who knows, and I don't, not my place to get involved in, or judge, or anything like that, I don't give a shit, but I'm just telling you, I know this is what happened. And then there was a girl who, you know, I don't know, I guess when I told the story in 2007, you could say one thing now, I guess I got to be more careful as if anybody's really monitoring this for its quality of content. But, um, you know, uh, she wasn't going to be engaging with anybody on that evening. Uh, and so my compadre who was with the, uh, the bride and the maid of honor uh, at the same time, and what one may call the less popular MFF, uh, at one point out of the corner of his eye, notices that the the girl who was not going to be engaging with anybody that evening was in the corner pleasuring herself, and it really caught him off guard. It might have impacted his ability to to uh, finish every uh, everything off. And uh, and 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 this gentleman was just like, yeah. He goes, I, well, I mean, it was because these, these girls were the the bride and the maid of honor were beautiful. I mean, this wasn't just like a, you know, this was, you know, this was, this was, this was, this was nice. But he said, once I saw her in the corner, he goes, just ruin the whole thing. And I said, I, you know, this isn't, this isn't a bridge I've crossed, but I, th- I think I would be able to just go, oh, okay. And then continue enjoying what's going on, you know, with r- r- there with me. Uh, but yeah, it threw him off. Um, and then the next day was the day where we were in the cabana and, uh, and, and I can't remember what their names were. God, some, somebody's listening. it'll be familiar with the dirty.com and I could, how I could post the pictures. God. And they were, they were two blonde girls and they were famous on the dirty and, uh, you know, good looking. I mean, certainly a lot of plastic surgery, especially for being in their twenties, but whatever. And they're just like, I mean, they're doing a variety of things with each other and people are pouring vodka down various areas and then drinking. I mean, it's just super, I mean, I guess this shit's still going on. I don't know. I mean, for me at 42 to be even like around it at this point, it's just kind of odd. So I'm detached from it. I would imagine it's still going on. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, it just gets so creepy and you get so sketched out. And that's what I was doing. And this is 2004, so three years before this trip, and I mean, I, I, I haven't been that intoxicated. In I don't know how long. I mean, years. And I'm all for it. Like, if it happened, you know, if I went to like a blues game and I got all fucked up, I'd be totally fine with it. It's just now with a child, it's like, oh, you know, not only am I going to feel like shit, it's not like it's not like Jameson's going to, oh, you got fucked up last night let me give you a day off, I'll have, I'll have, you know, the babysitter come over, you know, I'm on one way or the other. So, um, it just isn't really in play, but I would get so fucked up and not like alcoholic fucked up, like Las Vegas fucked up. I'd get so fucked up that, uh, that, um, I'd, I'd wind up playing video poker and the sun's coming up and I'm losing so much money. The problem was I, was successful at video poker like the first couple times I not first yeah first couple sessions, then first couple rings of it. Uh and I won two thousand dollars, I think twice by hitting four deuces on deuces wild video poker. And I'm just like, oh sweet, this is a way to make money. Not realizing that the math on this is it's like Sam Ace Rothstein in a casino hazing the guy's balls off for uh the fact that there are a bunch of jack jackpots going off. You know what the odds of that happening? but I didn't. I'm just like, Oh, this is great. I'll just keep putting money in. Eventually I hit the four deuces and then I just kept putting money in, putting money in, putting money in. And Oh my God, how much money I lost. And this is the time in Las Vegas. I'm sure some of you can relate to it when the hookers come out. And, uh, and I remember my buddy and I think Mr. Lucky's is still there. It was there last time I was there. Like this is only a year ago. It was like the little diner off the casino floor. And, uh, and he, and, and it's what a strange deal. Hookers came out, and then he goes, he winds up going to Mr. Lucky's and like having breakfast with her, and then engages in digital play with her, but he's the one performing it. And I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, there's so many things we go, what are you doing? But what do I'm thinking? What are you doing? It's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Doing that to a woman of the night at a diner. But that's what I remember about it. So the question was, am I addicted to anything? I think I would be prone to addicted to gambling. I think I was addicted to playing online poker, but I made money at it. You know, like it's a different deal, but for the first few years I played, I was losing money. So it's a different ball game, but back end, it was from 2008 through 2011 and black Friday, April 15th, 2011. I was profitable. Like in a, substantial substantial way not that it was going to like allow me to move into huntley but i was it was it was a bad beat when that uh went away and i guess you can still play now but the games aren't near the size of uh of what they were when you had poker stars and full tilt and i guess party poker in the early 2000s going on so that's where i would be on that um you know and 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 as far as how i was able to overcome it i i Honestly, as much as I still think it's wrong that Black Friday happens when the U.S. shut down online poker, uh, the answer is how I was able to overcome it is probably the U.S. shut down online poker. That's the honest answer. Now, it also was 35 years old, too. I mean, it's kind of like, all right, it's, had there not, had I not gotten into online poker, I think I would have done a hell of a lot more with Inside STL, I think. But I was making decent money, and online poker is kind of like a leisure activity, and it took a lot of time away. I mean, when you're playing you're running deep in a tournament, that's 12 or 14 hours. Um, I also, I'm certain it impacted my relationships, certain it did even, I mean, you know, Anna Marie, uh, and we've been together now 11 years, so she was a good part of that time. And you just think back on how much time you wasted. I talked about this a couple months ago, one of these things, and it's just, uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's, that's a monster regret, even though I made money, it's a monster regret because of the time, the impact on people, impact on relationships, friendships. Not that I was, like, mean-spirited because of it, although if I had a bad beat, I'd go on, not, not on a tilt, but it just put me in a bad mood. But the time, the time, god damn, you know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I only overcame it because, I, I I mean, I still could play it. It just wasn't as easily accessible and wasn't as interesting to me because you couldn't win as much. So, Anyway, um, I know that doesn't help in this case. Cause I don't know what this gentleman's addicted to. He didn't say. But, uh, you know, it was it was, it was was made difficult to access. And I'm totally against that. But uh, that was that was one of the reasons why. Yeah, man, I don't know. I mean, had that not happened, I don't know if we would have been in a position to do what we did with uh, WGNU 920 in 2013. Because I'd be like, oh, I don't want to do that. I want to play poker. I don't know. Um, all right. Uh, Timmy recaps, who's been having a nice run of good questions lately. I believe he will be our final, uh, final one. Um, let's see. Um, let me see if I can read it. Hey, Tim, a couple lightning round questions, all related to operating, uh, and owning content under the umbrella of a larger company, which often tries to mess with your product it might be worth discussing. If not on the QFTA, it'd still be interested in your answer if it isn't too intrusive. In light of station management's uh, reach into TMA's programming staffing with the Plowboy, how do you best manage your approach of having personal and professional relationships with your employees, peers, and station management, especially when station stations Decisions directly affect the content chemistry of the program, which you own and likely best understand. Although you've touched on it a bit in my other questions regarding your management style, what is your approach and perspective on being a boss managing peer to the inside STL organization, but still having to comply with decisions based down through station management? It's a unique dynamic, owning the programming between the hours of 7 to 10 that's being aired on the station airwaves while simultaneously employing inside STL guys mixed with 590 staff during said program. How difficult is the tightrope walk of honoring your agreement and business contracts with the station while also retaining creative control over the show, which has proven to be the flagship program for said station? Hopefully the sentiment of the email comes through clearly. Thanks and welcome back, Plowsy. That's from Timmy Recaps. So Timmy recaps, uh, for those of you who are loyal listeners to TMA, he is a, a very active TMA listener, and even a very active TMA listener is, and I know he's not doing it intentionally, um, is is inaccurate with his assessment of the dynamic. Uh, and I guess I take for granted that people understand it, not not like it's so complex, but the people just are so into it that they know it. And, but, I mean, still, it still comes up. It still come, I had an email yesterday from somebody who I knew like in the 80s, who is complaining about something that was said on the show. Um, and, uh, and said, you know, I just, I just want you to be careful, even though you didn't say it, you know, I know with your ownership, you could have liability. I'm just like, the fuck, you know, I mean, people still think, but I mean, like, how can I blame them? They have their, their, have their, their jobs, their families, their own interests. Like, why the fuck would they know exactly what my situation is? Um, so I guess it allows me to make it clear. I mean, again, kind of a point of reference, similar to the podcast statement inside STL, which is the company I started in 2005, which still 14 years later exists, um, is, is essentially at this point, it's almost only source of revenue is gangster Pete's t-shirts at this particular moment. Um, in December of 2018, uh, I, uh, did a deal, an addendum to my contract with Markel entertainment, which owns KFNS in which, uh, the podcast, I will continue to own the content of the podcast, but they will have the right to sell the advertising on it. Why did I do that deal? Be happy to answer the question. Thank you for asking, because it was just becoming an awkward spot with me selling advertising. Uh, even though I'm employed by KFNS and we could be in the weird spot of, um, competing for the same dollar it's not what i want it's not what they wanted it was uh something that i just wanted to get away from but inside stl still owns the content of what you're listening to right now kfns essentially for lack of a better term has a licensing agreement with inside stl to sell it and keep all of the revenue but pay me pay pete pay iggy uh the money and also the you know the the hard costs of operating the podcast, which in the whole scheme of things are, are minimal, relatively speaking. Um, and so that's what, that's what transpired with this podcast. With TMA, it's the exact same arrangement and has been since 2016. Uh, from 2010 through 2016, until we came to KFNS, uh, Inside STL owned the programming and sold the advertising and also was responsible for paying everybody's salaries. I do not pay anyone's salary um, on TMA anymore. Those paychecks for myself, Doug, the cat, Pete, Iggy, and the Plowboy come from KFNS. So um, that just to be clear, in case people care, that's what it is. So I do not own it. I do not sell it. I do not manage the radio station. What I do own is the actual content of the show. So, for example, I mean, some of the stuff that we play drops from was like from 1380 or from 920. So we own the content of the show. It's kind of like a very big stretch, but like Stern, like they play archives. Well, I mean, he was on K-Rock, you know, for a lot of this stuff, but he owns his stuff. Colin Coward talks about owning his content. So I own, Inside STL owns the content, but we do not sell it. Uh, I mean, I can sell it as a sales rep, but the money would go to KFNS, and Entertainment, the parent company. And I realize it's probably so fucking convoluted. And to me, it's like a second language because it's what I've lived for a number of years. Um, But, you know, for some people, you're either skipping through it or you're just like, I don't understand. I don't care. You know, get back to the threesome story in Las Vegas. But that's the question. Uh, I I think, Gangster Pete, you can chime in on this since you're one of the... uh, the six people on TMA, even though the newest of the lot, uh, I still think that with, I think almost, I think everybody on the show, actually, I think that I think they think that I still am in some way, like involved in managing, I think, because I feel like things are said, like Doug will say to me, Hey, just want to let you know, I'm going to be out, you know, you know, is that okay? And I'll be like, yeah, I mean, I, you <laughs> know, I, and, and I, and he's not, he's not being rude. It's just kind of like for that, that seven year period, I guess I was the person to talk to. Um, but I mean, I'm not anymore and I don't really want to be either. Um, and so I think there's, that's something that is certainly if the people I'm working with have that weird, I've gone from this to that, then I can understand why the audience still is, uh, some of the audience is still confused or it is it is such a unique dynamic that it's difficult to like if i ex- explain it to somebody on the outside they'll go okay i don't understand you know what well, do you th- i hear you say it all the time but i'm here all the time Yeah. so for someone that is just listening to minutes at a time they might not hear it right but yeah i think the i think everybody that's around knows i mean yeah will okay, just yeah. might think yeah, I, know. I don't know, but like the cat, like when things pop up, he's like, I don't know, you know, we'll get on the phone, like, I don't know what you can do. He goes, I know you don't run it, I know it's a different right. deal, you know, and I know you got a family, and I'm like, I understand, but yeah, I understand, I said, but the goal is to keep the group together. This is a really good group, and I don't like to get into, um, you know, what's been the best group, like I used to get annoyed with LaRusso when he wouldn't do that, I think I've made this comparison recently. Um, you know, like, oh man, I don't like to make comparisons. I'm like, oh dude, what does it matter? But now I get it. Cause then it's kind of like, oh, you know, are you taking a shot at somebody by saying that this group's been, and it's not, it's just, I know this is a good group. Um, and not to say that other groups haven't been, but there have been times when things have not been what people maybe publicly think they were, uh, good or bad. And we just don't, you know, broadcast it. We just navigate it. Um, or times when people think things might be really bad when in reality, they're really actually good or better because, you know, a change has taken place. So, um, with that all said, this is a good group and you don't want to mess with something that's, that's working. Um, there have been so many things, this is like a recurring theme on this, but the questions so oftentimes kind of feature this TMA behind the scenes stuff. And I'm happy to talk about it as much as I can talk about it. There are so many times, even within the last five months, um, Where things have gone on and it's just never gotten public. And, uh, and I I think it's the right way to operate just in general, not because of some moral reason per se, although maybe there is an element of ethics in it, but it becomes a distraction, you know, uh, on the air. And then it's awkward for the people who are hosting the show if you're, you know, in a spot like with the Plowhawk thing. I mean, I made it. I, I didn't like what happened, but I did appreciate that station management, John Hadley. Uh, I said, "Well, how do you want me to handle this, John? Because you know that I completely disagree with it." Now we're not sitting here screaming at each other about it, but I'm, you know, you know where I am on this. I disagree with this, but the audience is really pissed off, and they're going to want to talk about it. How do you want me to explain this? And he goes, "Blame me." It's fine. He goes, blame me. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right, well that, okay, great. Cause if he would have been like, I don't want you talking about it, it would have been a really awkward spot. I mean, it was already awkward, but I wouldn't really realize. So I appreciate that. And obviously I'm very grateful that he's back. It's a big part of the show. But I mean, there's no, there's no not big part of the show. You know, it, it would impact. It doesn't matter. It's just one of those things that, um, you know, I, I I can't explain it, you know, that it's, there's not anybody who, if they left, uh, it wouldn't be a huge, there's no way because it's, because it's about a group of people. So, you know, even with, with Stern show, I think Artie's been gone for seven years. And, you know, from my standpoint, I know for me at this point, I only listen to his interviews because I don't like listening to and even I, I might be missing out on some good stuff, but at this point I'm kind of trained to go, now they're going to do something with Ronnie, the limo driver or whatever. And it's just, you know, some dumb game. And I'm just like, it's, does not do it for me anymore. Uh, so, um, I listened to the interviews and, you know, you don't want to alter something that's working. And, you know, fortunately we got our group back, but as far as like how I, you know, I mean, I guess the question changes now because I'm kind of laying out that I, um, you know, i am not in the position that maybe you think I was. Timmy recaps, or maybe I'm misreading it. And if I am, I apologize. But yeah, it's a di- it's a it's a difficult. It's in one sense a difficult. I think I I don't think it was as difficult going from peer, so to speak, to manager in 2010 as it maybe has been in going from manager to back to peer. In 2017 is when that happened. Um, and I don't and I, I don't really have an explanation for it. I guess for me, it's fine. I think for other people, maybe it hasn't been because they're kind of like, well, we liked being able to talk to you about things or the way that you did this or that. And, you know, things were so smooth, you know, when, you know, we were at 920 and I enjoyed that. I miss that. I'm like, yeah, I understand. But they, they might've been to you, but to me and my wife who were, we were working together, it was brutal. At times, now there were maybe you know the first year or so were brutal, brutal. I think what I think it started to calm down once I got away from doing the show with Edmonds. Not because I didn't like doing the show with Edmonds. I mean, fuck, I just talking about it. I played golf with them a million times a few months ago, but because I was when you running the station and you're doing the morning show and the afternoon show. I mean, that was I look back on that and I think what in the world? It's kind of like the poker thing. Like what in the world was I doing? Uh, but it was running me into the ground, and I can't let you know. I can't. I can't let my professional life run me into the ground and make me bad in my personal life. Can't do it. Can't do it again. Cause I did it before. Can't do it again. Can't do it again. Won't do it again. Um, just won't. And, you know, and maybe people miss that too, that it was like producer Joe, uh, said one time, said just, you know, I mean, sh- there's always shit around this show, but Tim always fixes it. And it's just kind of a nice place, you know, to be. And I'm like, that's a great compliment. But at the same time, I think there's kind of this expectation that, okay, well, it's fucked up. But, and I'm just like, I can't anymore. I can't because I got to take care of my wife and my son. You know, now that doesn't mean I'm going to become like a gangster and just go at all costs. We're going to do whatever we got to do. That's not what I'm saying. I just, I can't. Your priorities change. It sounds so cliche, but that's the truth. And so I can't. And I won't because I'm on the phone all the fucking time and I'm trying I just can't do it. Can't do it. And so, you know, uh, and so I think that that's what I would say changed more so than when it went from we're just getting a paycheck from 1380 to inside stl now owns and sells and pays everybody on tma at 1380 in 2010 and then that went to kfns and then that went to operating a whole radio station in 2013 at cbs sports 920 um you know and i mean i got you know at that it, after a, a year or so of really being brutal, we got our bearings and we got it going. And uh, that was a peaceful time. That was a, a good time and a peaceful time. And it's why we were attractive to other station owners, not just uh, this station, but other station owners. Cause they're like, oh my God, how's this thing on nine twenty, which some people can't even hear doing what it's doing. And that's a credit, not to me, that's a credit to, shit, the sales staff in a major way. Um, But John Seymour, you know, was just as good as it gets as far as operating the station and producing TMA, but operating the station, the programming side, the production side, I mean, just rock solid. And the shows, I mean, the people, you know, just behaved themselves and it was just a good group. So um, it was, and it was a good vibe, I think, Um, you know, but it just got to a point where, you know, I guess, The station ownership there was like, okay, they're killing it, and now we want a piece, more of a piece of the puzzle pie. And it's like, well, now, you know, now you've now you're now you're pricing yourself out, and we're going to go. So that's how we wound up leaving there. And it wasn't hard feelings. It's it's always I don't get mad about math. So I always say, don't get mad. You're welcome to ask for it, but I'm also welcome to say no. And if I say no, you better have a plan B. Um, you know, I mean, I was, you know, the, the amount of money that we were paying for that airtime, holy shit. So, uh, you know, that's how that all went down. And then I, you know, after a few months of operating KFNS here, my wife gets pregnant. Thought she she had another miscarriage and the stress of what we were dealing with, we felt like played a role in that. And I'm like, okay, this is it. After trying to get pregnant for so long and here now we actually are, and you thought you lost the baby, which now I know who the baby is. Then it's just like this, you know, speck on an ultrasound. Uh, and to lose, you know, I mean, that would, you know, so I was just like, okay, that's it. Can't do it anymore. Happy to do the show. Let's work this out. But I can't do this anymore. Can't do it. Can't do it. Just can't. And I guess maybe that, uh, but, but, but the audience for seven years or so, it was just kind of indoctrinated that I was the one that was operating things, even in some cases when I wasn't. And so that causes, I guess, just it's like still in that psychological aspect of, oh, he operates or he has the final say. So, like, when the plowhawk thing happened and some people were blaming me for it, I'm just like, whoa, what the fuck? How's that even, like, how's that even on the radar? That's, I guess, where that comes from. Because it's not like people are like, what the fuck, Doug? How come the plowhawk's not back? Or what the fuck, the cat? How come the plowhawk's not back? It was, the fuck, Tim? You know, so, Whatever. Uh, like I said, anytime this kind of stuff comes up, I'll lay this out. This is always kind of the overriding. If you would have told me in 2004 that for at least 14 years and eight months, you would get to fuck off on the radio, laugh your ass off. And that, and I wouldn't have to work shitty hours and do Jay Leno humor on TV, reading off a prompter and, and make a nice living, uh, and the price I'd have to pay is some people, a small percentage, think certain things about you that aren't true. And you got to put up with this thing that's going to come out called Twitter and Facebook and deal with some headaches there. But the trade-off is you get to do this. I'd take it all day long, you know. So that's kind of you take the step back and you go, yeah, it's, incon-, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a frustration, but it's still, I mean, we get to fuck off and do this thing that we love and laugh, get paid to laugh. I mean, how can you argue with that? So, you know, as as you know, going back to like a management style, it's, it's an attempt to, if I were the person on the other side of the desk, which for the first half of my career, I was, how would I want to be treated? And also how would I want to be talked to when I'm having a difficult conversation? Because that's a big part of it. Um, and, and that's, that's essentially it. Now that doesn't mean I'm always right or that I haven't fucked up or that I won't fuck up or that I'm not fucking up as we speak. But, um, that's, that's essentially the guiding principle. And in that sense, it's not, but sometimes, you know, and I also think, I think one of the things, and it, I realize it's not necessarily possible. It's kind of like, like how I was just being transparent with the country club talk. It's the same thing when I would have conversations when I was leading our staff meetings with numbers. Like, you want to be mad about a move, that's fine, but here here are the numbers. Now, I can't put this in on social media or in the newspaper, but here's, here's what your show is generating. Here's what this show is generating. I mean, one is Jupiter and one is Mercury. We're not even in the same world here. So, that's why we're making a change. Now, you can tell me your show's popular because, like, three people, like, always call in and tell you how great you are, and that's fine. And that'd be awesome if those three people owned companies and started buying advertising, but it's not a charity and you're essentially a salesperson who isn't selling. So we got to make a change and you can fucking hate me and bitch about me and make shit up, but I'm, it's a business just like any other. But for whatever reason, like radio gets put, just like sports, I guess, gets put in this like, well, no, this, it doesn't apply here. Well, it always applies. And so that's, you know, that's, that's something that was, that was the biggest lesson on it, but it doesn't change. And I think people, I think people appreciate it like here, it's not like I'm going to hide it. These, this is the reason, the reason are the numbers. Cause really in, in 14 years of it for real, I think, I know it's on, on one hand, but it might even be on one finger, a, a, a parting ways with someone because of behavior. I mean, you know, so it's, it's, it always gets down to production and there wasn't a whole lot of parting ways anyway. Um, if anything, I would want people to come in and have that awkward conversation. I can always pick up the physical tells too, when those are starting, Hey, do you have a minute? And then they kind of look down and they're nervous. There's no reason to be nervous. I'm happy. You got a better opportunity. And then I have the, the right to try and match it. But I want people who work with me to have better opportunities. It means that you're doing well with us and it's good for your life. So if and when that time comes, and it will, and whether it be with Gangster Pete here or whether it be with Doug or the Cat or with Iggy or the Plowhawk, uh, or Jay or Charlie or whomever, God bless. Good. You know, I mean, we've dealt with, I mean, the original Morning Grind lineup was me, the Cat, Martin, and producer Joe. Most people listening to this right now don't even realize that we worked with Martin for two years and many don't even know who the producer Joe is outside of the guy who texts into the show bitches about Iggy. He's been gone for 6 years. But it's just part of the deal. You're going to have some change. But as far as a management style, you want people to be successful. You don't want to like, oh, you're leaving, well then I'm not going to talk to you. I mean, that's that's indentured servitude. So, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think um I think there's I think there's a uh I guess a, a, to an extent a lack of understanding or confusion perhaps of what my exact role is. But I mean, how can I blame people? Like I said, they have their jobs and their personal lives. Why the hell would anybody really know what the hell my role is? But just to be clear there, it all is. So a uh, good question Timmy. Recaps hope I answered as always. Thank you to our sponsors for making questions from the audience and the Tim McCarney show podcast possible. Uh, the home loan Mark Hanna, evergreen wealth strategies, James Carlton, the Carlton state farm insurance agency, design air, heating and cooling online at design air Service. Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet. They have that TMA buyback program going right now. They want to buy your car back. Not necessarily even for trade. Just buy your car back. They want that. They'd rather do that than go to the auction. And then if you go out there and say free dotum. To Johnny Landoff, the third, or Chip, their new car manager, and you get $500 off the price of the car. How about that? Free dotem gets you $500 off. It's Johnny Landoff Chevrolet Chevy Find New Road. So there it all is. The Tim McKernan Show. Questions from the audience. Any questions you may have, send them in. Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Always enjoy answering your questions. And Thank you for listening to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.